Hello, this is Lorenzo Della Foresta, and I'm the lead pastor at River's Edge. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for joining us. I hope this talk inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you. Today is the continuation of a spiritual conversation that has been taking place between you and Jesus. I'm certain that you'll be blessed by His Word, and I believe that God has great things in store for you because you already belong. Enjoy the message. So we're in this series called Peace and Unlocking New Levels of It. And uh, this is the second to last message. I have one next week. It's called um, Peace of Mind Through Presence, and that's God's presence. But today we're going to look at this topic of prayer and fasting. And I think we're going to demystify some things with regards to it. And we're going to begin just by quickly looking at this passage of Scripture that is found in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And we're going to begin reading at verse 1 all the way to verse 13. It's a great story that goes beyond verse 13, but I'll talk about those points in the message itself. But the first 13 verses give us the foundation that we need to really understand what we're talking about today. And so let's take a look at verse 1. It says that after this, the Moabites and Ammonites with some of the Munites came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. Now some people came and they hold Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the Dead Sea. And it is already in Hazazon, Tamar, that is in En Gedi. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord. And he proclaimed a fast for all in Judah. And then all the people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. And indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek God. And then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord and in front of the new courtyard and then said, Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand and no one can withstand you. Our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? You have lived in it and have built in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, if calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence. And before this temple that bears your name, And we will cry out to you in our distress, and you will hear us, and you will save us. But now here are men from Ammon, from Moab and Mount Seir, whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade when they came from Egypt. And so they turned away from them, and they did not destroy them. You see how now they are repaying us by coming to drive us out of the possession that you gave us as an inheritance. Our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us, and we do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And then all the men of Judah with their wives and children and little ones stood there before the Lord. God bless the reading of his word to our hearts. Amen. It's a beautiful story in which we see that calamity has indeed come to their doorstep. And 
The news that comes to Jehoshaphat obviously brings a lot of anxiety and worry. It disrupts the peace that he had in his mind before the moment when he received the news. And I think that at different times in our life, we've received news of something that would have disrupted our peace. And the principles that are in this story are the principles that we can put into practice when this comes to our doorstep, when it comes into our lives, when it breaches our walls and comes into our kingdom and finds itself inhabiting the minds and hearts of those that we would want to protect. You see, in this story, it's a story of how sometimes it's time to stop everything and just pray. And I feel like sometimes we just don't do that. We just kind of continue life as per usual. Doesn't matter what the news is, it doesn't seem to, to strike enough fear in us to, to make us reconsider what our next steps are. And I feel like if we are people of God and understand who God is and, and what He wants us to do next, then we would understand that what we would need to do next is actually stop everything and pray. Not stop and be paralyzed by fear. Not stop and be powerless by worry and anxiety. But instead, stop everything and pray because therein lies all the power that we need. And what Jehoshaphat does is, the king, is that he calls his people together and he says, this is what we're going to do. Now he had the power to tell everyone to stop everything and to pray. And so everyone stopped everything because he realized that it wasn't going to be enough if he stopped everything. See, sometimes in our lives, the things are so serious that other people have to stop everything and pray with us. We're not going to see the victory that we need to see if other people don't join us and pray with us. We want to see power, but we're not going to be able to see it and experience it unless other people join us in prayer. The people that are in this kingdom are the ones that are at risk. The people of Judah are the ones who need to stop everything. And there are times when we have a household that's divided. And the very person that we need to pray with us is not able to pray because they don't have the same belief. It doesn't bother us when we're dating. It doesn't bother us when we're having sexual relations. It doesn't bother us when we're out there partying and out there doing life together, but it will ultimately bother you the most when the time comes to pray and you don't have someone to do it with. It is then in those moments that you'll realize that the person that you're with isn't a person who can join you in power to pray and be able to stop everything because not are you not just in a position where you're being attacked, everything that you have is under attack. It's not just what's in your present, it's what's in your future. And there's those moments that we realize, you know, why didn't I make a better decision? Why didn't I make a better choice? Why didn't I take a better step? Why didn't I do things differently? And so we need to sometimes go outside of our own household and immediate context of who we have in a relationship and say, I don't have this with so-and-so, but can you join with me and pray? 
And that's when you begin to understand the value of community that is spiritual. Because there are moments in your life when you can't have that in your own household because sometimes you're just simply doing life alone. Maybe this is a stage in your life where you are alone spiritually, but you're never alone because God brings people into your life so that you can experience his power and have everyone stop everything and pray with you. And so when we find ourselves in need, we can turn to people and say, hey, can you do this with me? Because this is what happened to Jehoshaphat. The Bible tells us that he was terrified by the news. Look at what it says in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 3. He was terrified. And the Bible says that he actually begs the Lord for guidance. And as he begs the Lord for guidance, he orders everyone in Judah to begin fasting. Now, when we stop everything to pray, it means that food no longer has importance. It means that working as you normally would no longer is of importance. It means whatever it is that you were doing, you stop. Fasting means taking a break from all the things that were in your regular activity. And you seek God instead. And you're saying, but how can I do that when I have responsibilities, when there's a role that I need to fulfill? If I stop, my, my, my boss is going to fire me. If I stop, my children are not going to be able to have what they need. If I stop, my husband is not going to have any clean underwear. Whatever it is that happens in a household, we sometimes wonder how can people and life manage without us? But here's the truth. How can we possibly manage the next moments without God? And if we consider all those things more important than God, then here's what we're saying. We're saying that we can get through this somehow on our own. But what Jehoshaphat recognizes is that that's not true. It's time to stop everything. And then the next thing that he does is that he turns to God and he reminds God of his own promises. He reminds God of the story of his own people. He reminds God of all the things that he knows that God knows, but he wants to say it out loud because it's going to strengthen not only his faith, his resolve, but that of the people. And so what we see in the story, and it's important to point out, is that it's not just time to stop everything and pray, but it's time to pray God's promises. And that's what he does. From verse 6 to verse 9, look what he does. Look what he, it's, I'll put it up on the screen. He says, you're the God of our ancestors. You alone are the ruler of all the kingdoms of the earth. It doesn't matter who comes against us. You're powerful, you're mighty. No one can stand against you. You drive out those who lived in this land. And now these are the people that we spared. And now they're attacking us. You told us not to attack them, so we didn't. Now they're coming for us. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? These are not people who were our enemies, but now they are. 
And so, isn't your presence in your temple that you told us to build? Aren't you with the ark and the tablets and the staff? Aren't you with us? And aren't we going to be able to cry out to you the way that you told us to? So you could save us, so you could hear us, and so that you could rescue us. I love that when we get to the point where we are in a place of need, the best thing you can do is remind God of what he's already said. His promises are for you. And whatever it is in your time of need, God is someone who will hear your prayer. But I love it when our prayers are based on his scriptures. They're based on his promises. It's not just us begging and pleading for God to intervene. It's us reminding him of what he's already promised us. And so we need to stop everything and remind God of the promises that he has made. And that's what Jehoshaphat does. And I love that's how he starts, right? He gathers the people, and then when he starts to pray, he tells them these are the promises that God has made us. And then he reminds God of those promises. Here's the next thing he does. He tells them it's time to fix our eyes, not on our power, but on God's. And he already says, we can't go and match this powerful army. This army that's coming against us, we cannot fight them and win. There's no way that we can. But he believes wholeheartedly that everything isn't dependent on them. It is dependent on God. That God has the power to overcome. And so he says, for we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. I love it when we come to a place in our lives when we just know that this is just bigger than we are. And until that moment comes, I don't think we get to a place where we want to fast and pray. I think up until that point, we're still trying to figure things out in our own strength. And we have enough people, resources, maybe enough backup in, in one way or another that we feel that we can lean on what we've got so that we don't have to get to that place where we truly do fast and pray and do what Jehoshaphat does in this story. And that's a mistake on our part. I think the sooner and the quicker that we get to the place where we recognize that no matter what the situation is, that we're always powerless in comparison to the enemy that is before us, that we understand that God's power is all that we need, and we need to fix our eyes on that power and not on anything else. Don't be deceived by your power. Don't be deceived by someone else's. Don't be deceived by who you know. Don't be decide. Don't be. Don't be the person who who decides that things are going to be okay because you've got a, an inside man and woman. You got someone who's who's got your back and watching over you. I, I see this all the time in, in professional sports when people just feel like that their talent is indispensable. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what people will always do over talent. They will always protect the brand. They don't care about the talent as much as they care about the brand. And the moment you start affecting the brand, I'll tell you, you're gone. And that's true for any business. It's true for anything in life. And I'll tell you that people will ultimately decide that you are not worth the trouble and will move on from you. And these are people who you would have maybe sacrificed everything for. 
But at some point, they have to make a decision for themselves and realize that I can't risk what I've got going on, so I'm going to have to risk you. And it's, and it's going to blindside you. You're going you're to see that come out of nowhere. It's going to hit you, and you're going to say, how did this happen? And you're going to look at this as the ultimate betrayal. But no, you need to reconsider that because your first betrayal was that you didn't put the power in God's hands. You put it in someone's hands. You see, the power has to be in God's hands, not in any person's hands. When you put it in God's hands, God always got your back. He will always give you the victory because you put yourself in between yourself and the blessings that he has in store for you. You believe that today? The victory that he has promised you. And I love that he just doesn't count on any power that he has other than the power that is, that is God. And it's so important because there's a doctor by the name of Carolyn Leaf, and she's a believer, and, and she wanted to prove what the impact of, of prayer would have on the human mind. And this is what she says. It's been found that 12 minutes of daily focused prayer over an eight-week period can change the brain to such an extent that it can be measured on a brain scan. And we sometimes are just putting all of our time and efforts into, I don't know, talking things out, talking things through, worrying about things, having anxiety over things, just allowing things to overpower us, overwhelm us. And we don't realize that we could be handling this so differently, that it could not only have an impact on our minds, but it could actually have an impact on the way that we actually see outcomes. Imagine that not only does prayer touch the heart of God, but it actually changes the chemistry of your brain. And God is saying that if you put your faith and trust in me, this is what's going to happen. This is how things are going to change. This is how things are going to be different like never before. And that's why it's time to stop everything and fast. You see, it's not just about the praying. It's about the fasting. It's about the giving up part. And we would think that we're giving things up to somehow barter with God. Like if I give this up, God, then you're going to be able to do this in return. God is not looking for an exchange here. There's nothing you could ever offer that is more important than what Jesus already gave. Than what he already did. There's nothing that you have that God needs. Except you. He just wants you. And so when we say, God, I'm going to put everything into this, and, I'm going to, and by that I mean myself. I'm not going to divide myself like I normally do. I'm not going to give you just a couple of minutes a day. I'm not going to just pretend like you're just going to cover me and, and you're just going to take care of me and, and, and you're just going to comfort me. No, I'm, I'm going to take this seriously and I'm going to fast and pray. And that's what the people did. They stopped everything and they fasted. In Second Chronicles, in chapter 20, and look at verse 12 and 13, it says, We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And then all the men of Judah, with their wives and children and little ones, 
they stood there before the Lord. And they stood there before God as a family. And they stood God before them as a unit. And, you know, the Bible tells us that sometimes we don't have that. Just don't. For whatever reason, we're just not there yet. We had it, maybe lost it. We maybe trying to have that. We haven't gotten that in the way that we wanted to. But God says that wherever two or three are gathered in my name, I'm in the midst of them. I'm with them. You know what that means to me? It means to me, it means that we can still create that same kind of powerful standing before God moment that we see in the story. And when you gather and you are in agreement and you do so in the name of Jesus, then chains are broken. Breakthroughs take place. And what God says is that you may underestimate the power of community. And that's why Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Because when you gather in my name and you break bread with each other and you stop everything to fast and to pray, here's what happens. I come with power. I come with power. Is there a place in your life where you need power right now? Is there a place where you are anticipating a breakthrough? That you want something to happen? How many people do you have praying for your breakthrough right now? How many people do you have that are, are stopping everything to pray and to fast with you? See, we sometimes just wait for God to bring the blessing. But, but here's how you can accelerate the blessing. Is by stopping everything to fast and pray. That's how you can make it happen. And, and, and God is giving us the insight in, in how this can happen in this story. And so it's time for us to believe that we can experience everything that we need when we stop everything to pray and fast. Here's another point. It's time to believe that the battle belongs to God. In 2 Corinthians, in chapter 20, in verse 15 and 17, it says, don't be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. The battle is not yours, but God's. I want you to go out and face them tomorrow, and the promise is the Lord will be with you. Now, I want you to think of it this way. Every enemy you have is not your enemy, it's God's. Now, When I was in a schoolyard in elementary school, there were a bunch of people that were teasing this kid. <clears throat> and for a while, I was telling others not to do it. But it got to the point where it was fun to do it. And I kind of wanted to join in. And there was a day in which everyone was shouting the kid's name and asking him to lick 
the fence post on one of the coldest winter days, right? It's like stuff that you do when you're a kid and, and there's evil and darkness in your heart. <laughs> and, and so everyone's calling this kid's name and they tell him to do it. And the kid doesn't know why he shouldn't until his tongue gets stuck. And the principal gets called out and he comes out with a hot rag and he's putting it on the kid's tongue. And, and of course, a piece of skin was stuck on that fence post. It's probably still there. Well, the next day, his dad came to school. Now, normally a parent wouldn't be allowed in the schoolyard, but this father, he didn't care. And he just like went after every kid because he didn't know who it was. And because we touched his son, his father showed up. And his father was ready to beat up every kid in that schoolyard if he had to, to make sure that we never did that to his son again. Does that make sense? I think we can resonate with that. And what he did is he just started, started shouting at anybody and everybody. And, and, and if there was a group of kids that were further away and hadn't heard and stopped what they were doing, he made sure he ran over there too. And he found himself just running over to whatever group of kids were in there. It didn't matter what grade they were in. He had kindergartners in tears. Let alone grade sixers filled with fear. But he was just like running all over that yard, making sure that the warning was heard by everyone. I want you to imagine that when you have an enemy in this life and in this world, that God is running around the world for you. He's making sure that no one can lay a hand on you. I don't know if you believe in a God who defends you like that, but you need to start. Because every battle doesn't belong to you, it belongs to the Lord. And it's time for us to understand that and to believe that. And you know what is amazing about the story is that Jehoshaphat does something that was unusual for its day and for its time. And he said it was time for them to go out into battle, but it was time for them to worship. And so look at what it says in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 21. He says that after he consulted the people, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. And this is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. I, I want you to see that what they sang about was what makes God powerful. It is the way that he loves us. <laughs> it is the way that he loves you. See, it is his love for you that you can count on. And that is what gives the power in your life to believe 
that the battle belongs to the Lord. And just in case they forgot it as they were marching against a greater enemy, they sang it. And they were reminded of it every step of the way. And you see, every time worry would enter, every time fear would get a hold, every time they would become anxious, they would sing, we give thanks to you, God, because your love endures forever. Every time they started to doubt it, every time they maybe even didn't believe it, they began to shout these words, to sing them, to believe in them, and to remind each other. And then they would look at each other as they were marching and say, yes, the love of God endures forever. He will not stop loving us as we go out into battle. The love of God endures forever. We will keep singing to the Lord because his love is greater than any enemy we've got. It doesn't matter how they have joined together to try to come against us and defeat us. They are already defeated because the love of God endures forever. You see, God is so capable of giving us that victory, but it has to also come from a place of worship. It has to come from a place of praise. It has to come from a place in which we are able to recognize this. Now, what's beautiful about this story isn't just the parts that we've just looked at, but it's this part that comes next. You see, it's time to gather the blessing. You see, when they go out into, the, into battle, the Bible tells us that something really strange happens. That before the Moabites and the Ammonites and the Mennonites, uh, I don't know, I think that's what they were called. <laughs> the Munites. Before they go out into battle, guess what happens? Other enemies come and start to give them a hard time. Enemies that they didn't know they had. God sent other people to destroy their army before they even got to Israel. See, God was able to gather enemies against their enemy. I don't know if that excites you or not in your life. But when you've got an enemy and God sends a bigger enemy to take care of your enemy, I think that's worthy of some worship and praise. And, and, and the Bible reminds us that it's time to gather the blessing because what happens is that when they finally show up at the appointed place for the battle, their enemy's already destroyed. They're all dead. They get there and all they see is bodies everywhere. And to make things worse for everyone else, but amazing for them, is that all there is left isn't just bodies, but all their plunder. Everything that they thought they would be able to take from Israel, Israel is now taking from them. And it's just there, on the ground, just for them to pick it up. That's all they had to do, was just go and gather it. And that's why it says in verse 25, that King Jehoshaphat and his men went out to gather the plunder. And they found vast amounts of equipment, clothing, and other valuables, more than they could carry. There was so much plunder that it took them three days just to collect it all. That on the fourth day they gathered in the Valley of Blessing. And the reason it's called that, 
and it got its name that day. Because the people praised and thanked the Lord there. And to this day, it's still called the Valley of Blessing. Do you want to believe God for the Valley of Blessing today? Do you want to believe that for you? That whatever the enemy is, whatever the enemy's been, whatever the enemy's done, no matter what has happened before this moment, everything can change. You can go in and you can just collect the blessing when you do things the way that God describes us and proclaims us to do them. He's putting it out there for us to inherit this, to experience this. And then he sends the people into not just a place of blessing, but into a place of rest. And this is how the story ends. It ends in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, 29 and 30. And it says that when all the surrounding kingdoms heard that the Lord himself had fought against the enemies of Israel, the fear of God came over them. And so Jehoshaphat's kingdom was at peace, for his God had given him rest. Look at this, on every side. See, when God fights for us, he gives us rest and peace, not just in one area of our life, but on all sides. He blessed them beyond their imagination and then gave them something that they were troubled with at the very beginning, which was peace of mind. You see, they couldn't have peace of mind when an enemy that size was coming for them. But God not only took care of the enemy, he blessed them beyond measure and then gave them peace on every side. You're ready to receive that in your life? You're ready to have that for you? Because this is how we can have it. Put everything aside. Because it's time to pray and fast. God bless you guys. Thank you so much. And so, Father, right now we want to thank you. We want to bless your name for all that you have done. And for all that you're going to do. I thank you that today is a day in which we can honor you and bless you beyond our own even imagining that we can worship you and praise you and put our faith in your power, in your promises today, that you can provide the breakthrough that we need in the area of our life where we need it most. You see where it is that we aren't trusting you. You see also where we are trusting you, God, but, but we're not seeing the victory the way that you want us to have it. And so I pray that today you would speak to us in the area where we need to make the adjustments, the changes where we need to take these principles and put them into practice so that we can collect that blessing that you have for us. We don't even have to go and fight the enemy because you've already fought them for us because you've already defeated the enemy. You did it through Jesus. You already gave us that victory on the cross and when you rose from the dead and you're giving us that victory right now in this room. I pray that the power of the resurrection and the resurrected Jesus would reign powerfully in our lives today and give us the victory over our minds and that it would give us victory over our bodies and over our circumstances and our situational hazards and the things that are tempting us and, and the things that are breaking us and the things that have somehow just ruptured us in our relationship with you. 
Father, I pray that you would remove every enemy, that you would defeat every enemy, and that before we even face them, Lord, that we would see them defeated, because that is how you love us. Your love endures forever. Your love endures forever. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us on the River's Edge podcast. I encourage you to take the message you have just received and allow it to go deeply into your soul. Let Jesus do the work that only He can do. A heartfelt thank you to all those that generously give to River's Edge and make this podcast possible. You too can be a part of spreading this message and creating life change all over the world by going to riversedge.life slash give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast. Thanks again for listening and God bless you immensely.